Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for booking your flight through Study Abroad Airlines. My name is Brittany, and I will be your Study Abroad Advisor. Your phone should be set on podcast mode. Please sit back and enjoy your flight. Hello, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Stan State Study Abroad Podcast, Warriors Abroad. Today's episode is about the Peace Corps. My name is Brittany, and I will be your host today. You'll notice that I'm not usually your host, but I requested to be the host today because I have always dreamt of joining the Peace Corps, and I've had some burning questions that I'd like to ask. Today, we have Jayana and Rachel joining us. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Jayana Diamond, and um, I graduated from CSU Stanislaus back in 2017. And I was an English major and I minored in anthropology. And um, after graduating, I worked as a substitute teacher and a tennis coach. And that's when I finally applied for um, Peace Corps and I got in and I served in China. And unfortunately my service was cut short due to COVID-19. Um, hi, I'm Rachel, good friend. Um, I graduated from college in 2007, so it's been a little while, um, but I went to medical school um, at University of Michigan, um, and currently I'm an OBGYN resident um, in the suburbs of Detroit, Michigan. Um, I grew up in Kentucky with one of our hostesses, um, and had always been interested in living abroad and working abroad. Um, and decided once I'd been out of college for four or five years that I um, was kind of at a point in my life where I, I needed to do Peace Corps if I was going to do it um, because I knew I wanted to go to medical school. So um, it was very good timing for me. I volunteered in Benin, West Africa, which is right next to Nigeria, um, from 2011 to 2014. Awesome. So I would like to know, because, you know, like I've thought about it, I went to an information session, um, but what was it like when you guys were applying? Did you just go to the website and fill out an application or was it kind of like how the military has recruiters and you meet with them? What was the process like for you? Um, So there are recruiters and I think being in touch with the recruiter really helps um, getting accepted, it helps your application process. They really help you out with how to answer the interview questions and how to answer um, the written questions that they also ask from you. Um, I applied to Peace Corps twice and I did not get in touch with the recruiter my first two times. And the third time I got in touch with the recruiter and I also took the time between college um, and my time in the Peace Corps to get more work experience. And I think those two really helped my like interview process before joining Peace Corps. Did you apply for like specific positions or is it just like a blanket application overall and then they assign you kind of like the military? Like how did that work? Um, There's like a job posting page and you can pick like if you want to do education or um, health or like environment, like working with water and planting trees, I think was another one. I don't know the different sectors specifically, but I was looking for education and I was also looking for somewhere in Asia. So you can like filter it out on their website and then you pick one you want. So I did an ESL instructor in China and that's when I applied for it. But also while you're applying, you can select like if you're wanting to go anywhere and if you're willing to go anywhere and then your top three countries. Um, okay, so I, I had heard about the Peace Corps, um, I guess probably in college and it was something I was interested in, um, but you know, wasn't sure about two years is a pretty long commitment. Um, and then, um, like I said, it, um, at the time that I was applying, it seemed like a, a good time career-wise, personally, um, and it it seemed like the the best way to work abroad in healthcare and be pretty supported 
by not only the U.S. government, but also, you know, it's pretty structured. You have healthcare, um, you have like transportation support. Um, so that stuff is really nice. Um, and, you know, when you're going just yourself to volunteer or work abroad, sometimes you don't have that much support. Um, so that was something that factored into my decision. Um, and let's see, I went to the website and filled out an application. And at that time, um, you just ranked the regions of the world in your preference order. Um, so I did that, but really I was open to going anywhere. Um, I think it's great that now they have more um, specific postings because I think um, that goes a lot towards people kind of expecting and getting what they want out of the experience. Um, but I just knew I wanted to do healthcare somewhere in the world. So I was pretty open. Were there stringent qualifications? Like, did it require that you had experience or you had a certain kind of background or what exactly do you feel like they were looking for in your application, um, in the postings themselves even? So I wouldn't say like it was like super strict on like, like I did not need to know Chinese or Mandarin to get into Peace Corps China. Um, but I think they were looking for someone with teaching experience, but there's also people in my cohort who had no teaching experience. So I think they really are looking for people who can learn fast and can adapt to their new environment and are flexible. Um, yeah, I agree. I think really, I got the impression that they're looking for people with skills, but a lot of the folks that they were recruiting are fresh out of college. Um, they're really looking for somebody who is very flexible, um, who's adaptable and who has some degree of cultural competence and openness to integrating into another culture. and with all the good things and the bad things that that, might, that, that culture might um, involve. I got a lot of questions when I applied about um, how I would feel working in a country where, um, you know, I wouldn't be as respected as much because I was a woman. Um, and I mean, that definitely came into play, but I think they just wanted to know um, that you could work with that, not even accept it, but you could work with it. Um, and then, yeah, like the skill sets, um, I think it definitely helped um, our folks who had teaching experience or um, healthcare experience when they were working. But a lot of it is just um, kind of learning what the goals of the country are, working with your community, because those will change a lot once you get to your actual site. So you go in with all these ideas about what you're going to do. And um, most of the time, those aren't anywhere close to what you're actually going to do. So I think really, you know, if and if this is your personality type, um, promote that part of yourself that is open to new experiences, flexible, um, and okay with people being different from you. So after you guys applied and you got accepted, like what was the process like and like the training? Because I've heard that the training is the most, di most difficult part. Um, I know it lasts like two or three months and it's extremely intensive. But did you guys have to go through physicals and classes and things like that? Yes. So after I was accepted at Peace Corps, it was um, a lot of like health and doctor appointment checkups and like making sure I was healthy and ready to go. And that is a very long process and it took forever. And it was um, like that for a lot of people that I feel like Peace Corps is very strict on is like who can serve and who has like because even like people who had asthma they couldn't serve in China because of smog and stuff like that and also they ask about food and your allergies because if you can't handle spicy food or um, or you're allergic to something I think they take that into consideration a lot but I but yes you're totally right about training once you're in Peace Corps it's very hard. That was the hardest part, I feel, because during training, you're still new in the country. You're 
waking up super early, then you're getting home at your host family's house and you're not really surrounded by your new friends that you're making. You're not surrounded by English. There's got to make your own new comfort zone and you're working all day and having language training, culture training. For me, it was, um, you know, teaching English trainings and it was all day, every single day, a few weekends we had off, but only a few. And then finally, when you get into service, it's like, wow, I can do this because our training was so hard. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. There's a lot of things that are challenging about training. So you're in the new country. Ours was three months when we first got there. So total Peace Corps was 27 months. That's three months of training, um, usually in a, a group like a cohort with the rest of your, say, health volunteers or environment volunteers. Um, and then 24 months being at your site. Um, but I think a lot of it was um, language training for us. Um, we were in a French speaking nation. Um, and some people came in with fluent French and some people came in with two words. And so a lot of it was getting people up to speed. Um, and then I think at the same time, you know, you're living with your host family and you're getting an idea of what the country's like and, and how to navigate. Um, but, you know, during training, you're, you're still kind of, your, your hand is sort of held a little more. Um, so, you know, it's both nice and a little scary when you finally get to site because um, you don't have somebody that is helping you with everything and guiding you through this process, but you also have, you know, you're finally um, just living in that country kind of how you intended. So um, yeah, it's, it's challenging in that definitely language. Um, I would say the biggest thing that I could have done that I did do a little bit, but could have done more is, um, is practice the language before, um, like I got placed, I knew I was going to a French speaking nation, but practicing that language beforehand. Um, you know, I think every little bit helps. I agree with Rachel. I, I wish I would have practiced more Chinese beforehand and would have even during my trainings, done more extra time outside of the already designated training time, study language, do more of that. So like Rachel, when you were talking about your training, you said, you know, you're in a cohort and then you got placed on site. So mm -hmm. like for both of you, was the training, I'm guessing it was in the country that you were stationed and then was it in the same city or were you then sent to a different city or like, did you stay there? Like, was it the housing that you were assigned to or was it temporary? I'm just kind of curious. I I'm assuming it wasn't stateside. Um, for China, we were in Chengdu, which is a city in Sichuan province. That's where we had our training and that's where we stayed with our host family that was for like maybe two months. And then after that, we finally got our site placement and that's where we would be for the rest of our service. And there were multiple places um, we could be put. I was in Guizhou province and um, other volunteers could have been in, stayed in Sichuan, stayed in Chengdu, or could have gone to Gansu province or Chongqing province. Um, yes. And I, I think the vast majority, um, of the three months, um, training is, is in the country. Cause part of that, you know, you're also immersed in the language, um, and you're just kind of learning how to function, how to like do transportation, how to use money, little things like that. So, um, we had, I think two days in Philadelphia, um, just a, like a, a general introduction to the Peace Corps. And then, they, um, we all flew to Benin and the next three months were um, in um, one of the bigger cities called Porto Novo. Um, so we were actually all there. There were 60 people in my cohort, which is maybe a little on the smaller side. Um, and we spent the vast majority of time there um, and then did a few weekend trips. Um, we did one weekend trip to somebody who was already at their site and had been in Peace Corps for a year, kind of to get their opinion about how they did stuff, what projects they did. And then you also have a weekend where, um, and I think 
you know, every program does it a little differently. You also have a weekend where you're, um, you travel to where you're going to live for the next two years and meet your community and kind of get an introduction um, of, of, of what you're doing. Once you went through the training and then you were at the location that you were stationed in, what was that housing like? Did they have, like, did you have to find your own housing? Did they have it arranged? Was it like a Peace Corps housing where you were housed with other Peace Corps volunteers? Um, What was that like? So for me, it was... Well, every Peace Corps takes care of your housing, I'm pretty sure, for all the countries. But um, in China, so you're teaching at a university, the university takes care of your housing. Um, they'll either find housing for you on campus or off campus, but they take care of it all. Um, I was staying on campus. I was living in, um, so in China, they live in like dormitories, but teachers, students, and um myself we all stayed in the same building I had one other um Peace Corps volunteer with me at my city he was my site mate he lived um on the same floor as me and we were also staying at um a place where previous volunteers had stayed so it's kind of like oh this is the Peace Corps teachers that's where they live and um it was a nice I had a really nice like apartment and um, lived by myself. I had a kitchen, I had a living room, an office, and a bedroom. Um, Very fortunate, very lucky, because we had, I was living in brand new, a brand new building that was just built. So yeah, I was lucky. (laughs) I, so I did Peace Corps with my husband. So we had like a slightly bigger house than we would have, I think. But, and it works a little differently in every country, but um, in Benin at that time, um, your host community provided your housing or your host institution. So if somebody was working for the school or working for a nonprofit, they're the ones who funded their housing. Um, We were kind of just for the village, even though we worked in different sectors, but um, so they donated a house for us to live in, um, which was gigantic by Beninese standards um, and a little embarrassing, but great. Um, So it was, it used to be somebody's house and like a little store um, and they just kind of converted it. Um, But yeah, it had like a tile roof that was open on top. So it stayed pretty cool. Benin's pretty hot. Um, We didn't have electricity, which was actually kind of nice because electricity makes things pretty noisy. Um, and we had the only running water in our community, which was nice, but they really hooked us up. I think they were really excited. We were the first volunteers at their site. Um, so yeah, we had a lovely living arrangement and I've talked to my other friends who have done Peace Corps in different countries. Um, sometimes they give you a stipend and you choose your place to rent or you, um, you know, in some places can build a, like have a house built depending on what things are like with that money. Um, so it kind of varies. Um, so, uh, some people's housing in Benin was, um, more rustic and some was a little more urban. So I had a friend with like real windows and, um, electricity. Um, but I also had a friend that, you know, had more of like, a um, like an Adobe house without any, um, electricity or, or running water at all. And was many miles from the nearest market. So, you know, it really varied and, and they kind of got your preference when you were in training of how isolated you wanted or were willing to be. Um, yeah, if I could bounce off that, I wanted to mention, like, it really is like, no one has the same experience. Everyone has different experiences and because I was very fortunate in my living situation I know volunteers who had the like Rachel was mentioning you know didn't have running water electricity was a problem had squatty potty like I didn't I was lucky and fortunate that I didn't have to deal with that I did have some like water issues where I didn't have water for a few days 
um, every other month and I would have to take bucket showers, but everyone had like a different experience with that. And while you're in training, you have almost like another interview with, um, for my, for my experience, another interview with um, the, the heads of our different provinces and they would place you off of that interview of like where you should be living. So like I mentioned, I wanted to be somewhere where it was really green and with a tennis court. And I also wanted to be close to other volunteers. So I wouldn't be like super lonely. And so they took that into consideration and they placed me in Guizhou where I finished my service. Yeah. And I agree. I think they tried to assess, you know, how well you were going to do if you were hours from the nearest American, which I think some people really wanted to be further out. And some people um, felt like, you know, other Peace Corps volunteers were really nice to have around. Our closest one, besides obviously the guy living with me, was um, about three miles away. So she was bikeable. We had the same like market. Um, So there were like four or five of us that shared that same market. And that was really nice because we saw people once or twice a week. Um, but then went back to our own community for the majority of the time. That's that's really interesting to hear about the different housing arrangements and experiences. And it's nice to know that they do interview you again and kind of take that into consideration. Because I could see if you are extremely isolated and you're an extrovert, where that could be extremely difficult. But with the housing information, that kind of leads into... The next question we have, which is pay, because I know I've been told and I've read that they pay you on a comparable income as someone that lives in the community that you're in. And obviously, um, it's a completely different environment than what most people are used to in the U.S. So what was the pay like? And were you guys able to get by? Were you able to save money? Um, Was it tight? Um, I wish I could remember exactly how much I was getting paid, but so it's a stipend. I get a certain amount of money a month and it is equivalent to how much an average person in the community would make. And it wasn't a lot because it also for um, Peace Corps China, I was getting paid being in a rural Guizhou and some people were in you know, in Chongqing and Sichuan, which weren't so rural, so they would get paid more than me and get a different kind of an allowance. And so either way, we were all, I think, able to get by fine. Um, It doesn't cost a lot to be living how you, how the people you're living with live, if that makes sense. Um, Yeah, and I was also able to save. It's very doable. Um, you just have to be smart with your money and not be buying things that you don't really need. And um, I was able to get by fine buying food and the occasional, oh, this would be fun to buy. So it was fine. Um, yeah, I agree. It was very, very doable. Um, and also, I agree that, yeah, it, you know, it matters where in the country you're living. I can see why in China, especially with a bigger cohort of volunteers, they would adjust it based on where you're living. Um, and then we all had the same amount of money. Um, nobody was in like a big city where it would make a huge difference. Um, so I think, I don't know why I remember this. It was um, $212 a month, um, which is actually kind of a small fortune um, in Benin. Um my community in particular wasn't super wealthy. Um, the vast majority of people were farmers um, and were not, um, you know, traveling or, or living extravagantly by any means. Um, so relatively, um, you know, we, we had lots of disposable income. Um, for example, the, um, the nurse assistant at the healthcare center she made $24 a month. Um, so I think they, and I mean, obviously that's, I mean, I, I could have lived on $24 a month. Um, it probably would have been a little, taken a little more um, 
adaptation. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I definitely had enough, enough money. Rachel, was that just your income? Or since you had mentioned that you did it with your husband, was that the family income or just yours? So I was part of a couple. So my income was double that. So I was making, well, what we had $424 a month, which is a ton of money. Um, so yeah, I mean, some people, I knew one couple that saved one stipend and just lived on the other. We were never that frugal. Um, but you definitely could have, we had, uh, I would go to market and, and, pay for the ingredients and then um one of the families we were close to they would cook every night with all the ingredients and that worked really well and it was um pretty inexpensive but i think you know people kind of have ways like that that they deal with things so that leads us into the work because i know you both have completely different uh professions in the peace corps jayana you're teaching english and rachel you were in the healthcare profession uh, do you guys mind going into detail, like what your day-to-day roles were and like what the responsibilities were? Um, so I was teaching English at a university. So I was like a university professor. I taught freshmen, juniors, and sophomores. And I taught oral English, reading. And um, so I would have to lesson plan on my own make my own curriculum. I They did give me the textbooks and I was allowed to use the textbooks or do my own thing. And I would do a little bit of bowl. Um, and it's just like university. So I would have an 8 a.m. class, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I'd wake up and teach. And then I don't have the class again till two o'clock and then I go teach again. So it was almost like um, living my student life back at Stan State, but now I'm just doing the teacher teaching part of it. And I will wake up when I have to go teach and go teach my class on my free time. During my breaks, I had lesson plan for my next class. And um, I would give grades that I would have to give assessments and tests. And um, then I would have my winter break and do everything like a regular teacher would. So, you know, teaching and grading um yeah my my official title was a rural community health volunteer um so there was a healthcare center that um served our community of about 1500 people um we were about 45 minutes via motorcycle from the nearest um hospital um so I was there during the week and a lot of that was, um, taking care of, uh, women and children, um, malaria, um, prenatal care, um, childbirth and, um, yeah, I kind of functioned like a nursing assistant at that time. I didn't have any medical knowledge, so they basically trained me. So, and that's kind of what I, what I wanted something to get, you know, experience and, and it's nice because you kind of have a place in the community. Sometimes when you don't have a host organization, people kind of floundered and in, in what to do on a day-to-day basis. Um, so um, that was nice. And then really the, the majority of my actual Peace Corps work was on the weekends, um, especially Sundays. That's when people were not farming. They, they were available for groups. So I did um, like a child nutrition program for um, basically adding, there's a porridge that um, children eat all the time when they're little. And um, it was basically a program that the Peace Corps started to have moms adding different like sources of protein to that. And so it's, it's less education. It's more um, kind of facilitation of that and, and um, promoting it. So I would do projects like that. And then we also did some stuff with the school. Like I had um, a sex ed class with the teenagers. There wasn't a ton of talk about, um, there was a lot of teen pregnancies and there wasn't a ton of talk about birth control and things like that. And so, you know, you just kind of, fish around and, and see what needs to be done. And if you're in a small enough community, you kind of know everybody already. So, you know, it can look really different. 
um, I had people in bigger, I knew people in bigger cities that um, kind of had to hunt around and, and figure out what they were going to do. And then some were really um, organized and, and, you know, they had an office to go to every day. So I really varied. So you guys have already kind of touched on this a little bit, but what was the community like that you were located in? Were you isolated from other volunteers? Did you have, like, was it a big commute? Um, if you wanted to go and like have Western food or anything like that. So what, what was essentially your community and your relationship with the community and your relationship with other, other volunteers like? For me, it was the community all knew who I was because I was in a, a small city in Guizhou named Anshun, and it was just me and my site mate. We were the only foreigners. We were the Peace Corps volunteers. Everyone knew who we were. It was a small community. It was almost like a college town as well. I was at Anshun University, and so I would have I would go to the same tea place every day for my daily tea I would go to the same chicken sandwich place that was like the closest you can get to a chicken sandwich American chicken sandwich in in Guizhou I guess and um, I would go there so people would recognize me they would know me the community is super friendly they you know they love what we're doing there we're there to help the community we're there to be a part of the community so um, I loved that and everyone was so nice and friendly. My students were like my best friends. Um, but uh, to get to the nearest, like to get to the capital for me, it was an hour and 15 minute train ride. And that's where a lot of other volunteers were. And also probably the closest volunteer was an hour and 15 minute train ride away. But I wasn't isolated because I had another site mate with me and I was also could go to the Capitol if I wanted to, because it wasn't that far. It was just that quick train ride. Um, yeah, I mean, I talked a little about my community as well, but um, pretty small, 1,500 people, um, mostly folks who were working um, as farmers. Um, and we had like um, basically a K through sixth grade. Um, and then the the kids who could continue on to high school um, went to the closest town, which was um, like 45 minutes away. Um, so everybody knew who we were, which is, is nice. Um, and um, you kind of get to know all the different families that live there. And sometimes I, I don't think I ever felt isolated like, obviously, I lived with my husband. That's helpful. Um, but, you know, I think you just learn to rely on people around you. But it was nice to have the Amer- the other Americans that were within five miles. Um, like I said, we lived near a pretty big market. So every Wednesday, they um, basically the whole town turns into a huge market. So um, and everybody, because they're farmers and the community goes um, and and like travels there so yeah that was pretty nice to have and I think helped we didn't have cell phone service um at our community as well and so I think it helped to go be that close like you know be 30 minutes away from electricity and cell phone service and stuff like that I guess the closest like American meal you know probably only like 45 minutes away the capital city where the Peace Corps office is and you would go if you had a big health problem was um, at that time it was like six hours away. You could take like a series of um, taxis or try to get the bus. It wasn't like the most enjoyable experience. Um, It was fine. You got used to it. But yeah, it was a little bit of a hassle to get to the capital from where we were or not the capital the biggest city um but that's where you could get like pizza and indian food and all that stuff like that i guess that's it what did i miss Brittany? i just want to chime in about the pizza i would think it would be incredibly hard to be six hours away from the nearest pizza considering it is a personal staple for me might i respond um (laughs) the um so 
I actually really like Beninese food. And um, so it wasn't that hard. Um, in my community, we didn't have, we would have some ladies that would do like, like rice um, for meal times, but it wasn't super consistent. So a lot of times um, um, some communities that were a little bigger had like a place you could go for lunch um, or breakfast. We typically, unless, you know, sometimes the, the lady that makes the beignets in the morning is busy. Um, there's not like a, there wasn't, there weren't a lot of places to go in the community for, for eating like a prepared meal. So a lot of times you're eating with families, um, or like stuff you're making yourself or, um, you know, whenever somebody else in the community is making things, you can go buy it. Interesting. So our next question, and um, this, I know Jayana has a very interesting response because her situation is extremely unique. So after the end of your service and you're leaving your station, what was that like? Like, do they just put you on a flight and send you home? Or like, is there a process? Because I know like from my own experience studying abroad, re-entry and reverse culture shock is quite an adjustment. Did the Peace Corps give you support for that? Did they um, provide you with any extra assistance? Because I would think it would be very interesting to, from going from this small city that you've been living in for two or three years and then all of a sudden you're back in U.S. life where there's always air conditioning, electricity, running water, like all these things that we take for granted. Did the Peace Corps help you adjusting and stuff? And like, what were your final days like? Um, so yeah, this question's kind of rough <laughs> just because um, I was evacuated and I only had, I, my stuff's still in China. So I didn't get to take anything with me for when I left the country. Um, I don't know, this is hard. So I was, it was winter break and we got, and I was traveling. I was in Thailand and just enjoy my winter break. Then I got an email saying, hey, we're evacuating due to COVID-19. Please evacuate to Bangkok, Thailand. So I got a train with my friends who I was with and we went to Bangkok. And from there, we heard that, you know, we got to, they got to get us out of here and back to the States. And um, so my like final days were just kind of sad. Um, Peace Corps helped in the way they you get um I don't know Rachel probably remembers what it's called but um you get a re-entry like you're a little bit of money I forgot what it was called but um you get a little bit of money to like readjust that maybe that's a readjustment allowance maybe and um but that was it sadly I wasn't too happy about how my service ended because it was corrupt I didn't get to say goodbye to my community, my students, all my stuff still there, my laptop. Um, and it's hard, you know, leaving the friends I made in Peace Corps. Um, yeah. <laughs> How long were you, you there? Because um, I know when you came back, but how long had you been there at the point you were evacuated? I was in China for eight months and then I was evacuated. That's a bummer. I mean, <laughs> there are more words, but, you know, it's just, it's disappointing. It very much disrupted a lot of people's lives in a lot of different ways. And I can only imagine how you'd feel to be like eight months in to a two-year, um, I don't know what to call it, like a two-year commitment. Yeah. You know, you had all these plans and then all of a sudden they're drastically changed. Yeah. Rachel, what was your experience like? Um, yeah, no, I mean, that's a really big bummer because um, I think the Peace Corps, you know, tries to do its part in a kind of, you know, reintroducing you back into the United States and giving you some common, you know, things that people find difficult. Um, and then also, I think a little more closure, you know, like you're saying goodbye to your community, you're 
kind of, you know, going through this whole process of packing up and, and making plans. I think that obviously makes a big difference. Um, and then I think they also worked on kind of how to market your skills when you got back in the working world, because sometimes the Peace Corps experience, it's, it's a little hard to describe, um, especially people generally want you to do it in about two sentences. Um, so kind of getting that ready for, um, A, when people just ask you, hey, how was the Peace Corps? Um, you know, giving, giving an answer that is like something that's in line with what you're comfortable with. But, um, you, you know, yeah, you kind of have to think about what, how to respond to that question. Um, and then, yeah, when applying for jobs, making the resume, um, thinking about um, how to describe the actual skills you gained while you were in the Peace Corps um, and what you did. Um, so, yeah, I think that was really helpful. And um, when I, I guess what I, what I remember most is when I got back, I sat in the air conditioning for a long time. Um, and I ordered things off Amazon. I, I think one of the most striking things, and I don't, it's probably happened for you guys is, um, how accessible anything you want is in the United States. So you just order a pizza and then it's there in 30 minutes, or you want like, you know, anything off Amazon, you order it and there it's there in like two days. So, um, you know, I, uh, reacquainted myself with how neat that is, um, just creature comfort stuff, but, um, yeah, I think some reentry things were a little hard. Um, I, would I think like the, I, I was uh -huh. just like chime in on the Amazon thing because I think <laughs> I was uh, a recipient of that. I, I had gotten a cat toy and a neti pot, and I, I oh, think yeah. the caption on the note had said, "I might have a problem." <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I totally had a problem. Um, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah. Like, um, but I think too, yeah, culturally, you know, it's, it's different. People have different priorities. Um, and you're kind of adjusting to that and adjusting to how you changed as a person, but also, you know, the people around you, you know, parents got older, um, people kind of moved on and, and did other things as well. And so I think it's a little bit of an adjustment in general. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think some parts of it are a little challenging um, just because you're kind of moving on. I mean, I was there for three years so from this um, kind of thing you knew um, and uh, trying to figure out what's next um, in your own country. Um, so, yeah, I, I, mean, I think there were challenging parts and then parts that were kind of nice. Like, oh, I'm very good at English. I can do anything I want in English and I sound great. That was great. I probably don't sound great now, but in general, very eloquent. <laughs> I think you sound awesome. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I know both of you had traveled um, prior to the Peace Corps and you had international experiences, um, but I know this was unique in terms of you were there long-term. Obviously you went through all the training. So were there things you learned about yourself from the Peace Corps and I guess just like your worldview in general? Um, I learned, so before Peace Corps, I was already substitute teaching and I went to Peace Corps and taught English. So I thought I was like, my career was leading me to be a teacher. Um, I learned that I want to do something else. I want to keep going with meaningful work and civil service and giving back to communities that need help. I really would like to work with and refugees one day working with people who are from a different culture than my own coach culture and um I also learned I don't like to live by myself I like to have a roommate like simple things like that I picked up and learned um in Peace Corps things by my like that um also the fact that you know I can live in a foreign country for eight months and learn the language try new food and I can be flexible and adaptable and um, also, you know, being in China, it has a lot of negative views, especially during right now. But I love China. It has its, you know, downfalls, but so does lost everything. But um, I love it and I advocate for it. And I try to remind people that China is a very big country with billions of people. And 
there's it's not just Beijing, it's not just Shanghai. There's so much more to it than those big cities that we only know about. And just a lot of diversity in general, because I don't think people often realize how many ethnic groups there are in China. Yeah, exactly. And I was living in a province with um, one of the biggest minority groups in China. And I got to experience that and know how like they live too and how they have to be a minority in China and how that feels. And um, it's, it's important. I think more people need to know about how big China really is. Um, gosh, yeah. I mean, I think I learned a whole bunch of stuff about myself probably. I think the Beninese culture taught me a lot about um, honoring your family and, and um, basically the elderly people who are more experienced than you and honoring that knowledge. We don't exactly do that as much in the United States, I don't think. Um, and kind of a sense of obligation. So um, I felt very obligated to my community because I, you know, they, they took us in, they made it a priority for us to feel included, which I'm sure was not always easy. Um, and kind of work with our, um, you know, weird language skills and, um, you know, proclivities for weird food that we made and stuff like that. Um, and I, I don't know, I feel, I felt a lot of, um, I felt very in debt to my community that I, that I needed to do something worthwhile with my time there. Um, and I don't think I felt that sense of indebtedness. I think that's a very, I, from friends I've talked to that, that seems like a very Beninese feeling of, or of feeling like you, um, that you owe your community and not necessarily in a bad way, but you owe your community, you owe your family. Um, and it's not, it's, it's kind of implicit in everything you're doing. Um, I think that was a really important lesson um, and kind of how a lot of communities in Benin um, get by with very few, like very little money because you have this obligation to um, help your family and your neighbors. Um, so I think that was a really important thing to start to learn. And that no matter where you go in the world, you're going to like some people and not like others. And people are people. Um, I am sometimes reticent to share certain stories about Benin because um, I don't want that to be the only story somebody has heard of like, oh, those crazy Africans. Um, I would never want to give that impression of these real you know, thinking, feeling, smart people. Um, you know, I think it's really dangerous that you can get a one-dimensional view, especially when you're talking about Africa. Um, so I think I just got to know the multi-dimensionality of, of humans a little better. Nice. I think that's both your answers. is really beautiful and it inspires me to want to do the Peace Corps which leads into our closing, which would be, would you recommend the Peace Corps to others? And if so, why or why not? Uh, I definitely, definitely recommend it. I've been recommending it to all my friends, to my cousins who are senior and a junior in high school. I'm just like, after college, do it, go for it, try it, because you, there's so many great benefits after volunteering whether it's you know the experience and possible like scholarships for grad school and whatnot but to travel to live in a culture in a different country like the people are and really immersing yourself how I did I would want someone to have that experience because it was so much fun it was one of the best experiences ever for me but again, you know, not everyone had a, such a great experience like me and Peace Corps, but I really made the best of it and I definitely recommend it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I recommend it, um, I, but I like to be clear about kind of what, what you might be getting into. You know, there, Peace Corps, I think, was um, one of the most challenging but 
um, rewarding experiences that I ever did, you know, integrating into this community. But um, it wasn't always easy. You know, there are lots of tears intermittently throughout those three years, but there are also things that made it absolutely worth it. I don't have any regrets about doing it, about extending a year. Um, But I think, you know, people just have to go into it with um, a very open mind about what their experience is going to look like um, because it could be so different um, depending on where you are. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was really valuable to me personally, um, professionally as well. Um, I think it, you know, gives you kind of a, a good introduction to ethically and morally how you, you view the rest of the world and what your place is in it. Um, and I think that'll probably inform my work as a doctor. Um, but yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's, (laughs) it's not for everyone. Um, you know, some people get there and they like, well, this is not for me. And that's okay. Peace Corps is very uh, accepting. If it's not for you, they say, okay, and you get sent home. But, um, you know, I think if people are open to the experience and really ready for anything, um, I think it can be really formative. And, and um, also, yeah, professionally, like a really good um, avenue into um, aid work, into governmental work. Um, you meet a lot of um, people and make good connections. And so um, that that's really useful as well. So yes, I recommend it. Um, but I also talk to people about it, I think a little bit um, as well. All right. So I would like to thank you, Jayana, and thank you, Rachel, for both volunteering to participate in this. To our listeners, we hope you learn more about the Peace Corps and we've answered your questions. Next month's podcast is for all you foodies out there with the theme of food abroad. Thank you for joining us and we hope you join us again next month. Thank you for flying with Study Abroad Airlines. We hope you enjoyed your flight. If you have a connecting flight, you can find them at eie.csustand.edu slash studyabroad or email us at study underscore abroad at csustand.edu.